WDBM East Lansing. This is City Pulse on the Air. Joining you now, your Editor-in-Chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello again, this is Burl Schwartz talking. Later, should voters be concerned about their safety at polling places November 3rd if militia members take up President Trump's invitation to be poll watchers? We'll have a report from Cole Tunningly on that. But first, our weekly conversation with MSU political scientist Matt Grossman about the shape of the 2020 presidential campaign, now just less than four weeks before the election. Matt, uh, let's start close to home. We had the astounding revelation yesterday of uh, an alleged plot to kidnap uh, Governor Whitmer. Uh, Political effects uh, on the national uh, race. Well, I don't think they'll be very uh, extreme, uh, but obviously uh, it uh, draws attention uh, to extremism uh, and uh, the fights uh, surrounding uh, COVID uh, restrictions and the continuing conflict between the governor uh, and uh, the president. Uh, and the president doesn't seem to be uh, damping that down at all. He, he wants to keep it going uh, despite uh, the uh, shocking uh, revelations. Doesn't uh, hurt the governor any either, does it, politically? Uh, I don't think it does. Um, it, it may hurt Michigan. Uh, I actually uh, grew up in uh, Missouri and um, embarrassed to say uh, the, the Michigan militia was one of my uh, first uh, <laughs> connections with the state of uh, Michigan. Um, it was a huge uh, part of the news cycle in the, in the 1990s surrounding the Oklahoma City uh, bombing. Um, of course, uh, there was also a failed uh, federal prosecution of a uh, militia group uh, in the uh, 2000s as well. So it's not guaranteed um, that this will uh, work out, uh, but they certainly waited to get uh, some more damning details on this group. All right, well, let's turn to uh, the polls. Uh, the New York Times is reporting today that uh, uh, Biden nationally has a double-digit lead, and uh, we're seeing astounding uh, numbers state by state in places that Trump won that have been traditionally Republican. Is this over? Well, uh, you never want to say it's over. Um, Around this same time in the 2016 campaign, we had the revelations uh, surrounding the Access Hollywood video, uh, and Hillary Clinton took a a fairly large lead. We actually had a lot of Republicans in Congress saying uh, that they were backing away uh, from Trump, um, and yet he was able to to come back to win. Uh, But certainly the race has been stable uh, from the beginning, and um, so a two or three point shift in the direction of the leader um, is going to be hard. Uh, to, to come back uh, from. Uh, and it's also the, the issue. COVID has uh, dominated the agenda, um, but uh, there's just recent data that it was all anyone could remember hearing about uh, President Trump over the last week, uh, and it's his worst issue. So uh, it doesn't seem to have generated any sympathy to hear that uh, Trump has COVID instead. Uh, just like Mitch McConnell, they're saying, well, they had it coming. Uh, they re- weren't uh, really uh, enforcing uh, social distancing uh, and were 
we're visibly uh, anti some of the uh, guidelines uh, that public health uh, professionals have put out. And so voters just are not uh, giving that much uh, sympathy to the president and are instead using it as a reminder of uh, failures on that policy. Uh, I was struck by uh, a comment in a New York Times piece today about uh, the changing demographics in the Southwest. Uh, someone talked about uh, the politics of addition. What, what is that? Well, first of all, there, there have been demographic changes in the electorate such that if you just look at sort of who died and who came into the electorate, you would assume that um, Biden should be doing a couple of points better uh, than Hillary Clinton just uh, from demographic uh, changes. Um, and in addition to that, we're going to have a, a much higher uh, turnout election in 2020 compared to 2016, especially if 2018 is anything to go on when we had historic midterm turnout. And so that means uh, that the even if uh, Trump retains all of his supporters, he's going to need a whole lot more uh, to, to stay uh, close uh, with Biden. And it instead looks like uh, Biden is doing a lot better uh, with voters who did not vote in 2016. He's doing especially well with voters who voted in 2018 as new voters. But even voters uh, who are new to voting altogether, he's winning by about 15 points, according to the Pew survey this morning. So it's really Biden uh, who stands to gain from new voters being added to the electorate. Do you think we're seeing then a permanent change in Texas and Arizona that uh, 20 years from now, everyone will, uh, people will have forgotten this. These were Republican states. Uh, I certainly wouldn't uh, think that the Democrats uh, should declare victory uh, in those uh, states uh, yet. Uh, especially Texas, um, where uh, it's still going to be, even if uh, Biden were able to pull it off, it's still probably going to be, uh, you know, seven or eight points uh, to the right of the national uh, average. Um, and whoever wins the presidential election is immediately favored to lose the next midterm election. Uh, that's the strong historical trend. Uh, and so it really won't take very long for uh, the Republicans, if they lose this one, uh, to be favored to, to make some gains in 2020. And uh, the coattail effect, uh, does Trump have one or is it an anti-coattail effect? Well, the uh, effect of Trump being on the ballot is certainly bad for uh, down-ballot uh, Republicans right now. Um, Senate uh, candidates are not getting any crossover voters and are underperforming Trump. Uh, and so that's really hurting uh, in states like uh, North Carolina, Arizona, Colorado. Uh, but uh, there is a, a traditional countervailing effect, which is that if people uh, believe uh, that uh, Trump was going to lose, for example, then they uh, are a little bit more likely to support Republicans if they're a traditional Republican voter as a check on a new President Biden. The trouble for Republicans uh, this time is that people don't necessarily believe that Trump is certain to lose, even though he's uh, well behind. So they may not get that benefit in the way they did in 2016, when people really thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. And that helped down-ballot Republicans. They did uh, three points better than Trump in U.S. House elections in 2016, in part because people thought Hillary Clinton was going to win, and there are still some voters who like to balance the ticket. Uh, and in Michigan, uh, how is John James doing? 
Well, he's doing better than other Republican senators at separating himself from uh, Donald Trump. But the trouble is, if uh, Biden is up by eight or nine points in Michigan, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to have 10 percent of Biden voters or more uh, switching, 20 percent of Biden voters or more switching over to, to James. We just don't have that much crossover voting anymore. So James is in a position where if uh, Trump were to come close in Michigan, lose by one or two points, then you could certainly see uh, James pulling off the upset. But at this point, it's very hard to see. You're listening to WDBM-FM, The Impact, and uh, we're talking to MSU political science professor uh, Matt Grossman about uh, the 2020 presidential campaign. Uh, it, it seems like it's been going on forever, but for about a week or 10 days, uh, we're, we've been caught up in the drama of Donald Trump's case of COVID-19. Uh, has he helped himself or hurt himself uh, with his performance? He has not helped himself. He's hurt himself in the, in the, at, at the temporary basis. I don't know that it will be, will be permanent. Um, but uh, not more than a week or two ago, uh, voters were actually hearing a lot about uh, Donald Trump's Supreme Court nominee. Um, uh, the hearings could start next week, so we could potentially see it move back to, to that. Um, voters were also hearing about the economy, and now it's just been all COVID, and COVID is a horrible issue for the president. Uh, uh, lots of voters, Democrats, independents, and lots of Republicans don't think uh, Trump has done a good job on uh, COVID. And for him, uh, an outbreak in the White House just brings up all of those same issues that he's uh, just not led uh, with concern about uh, social distancing and not modeled uh, well what the country is supposed to be doing. Those are voters' concerns, and they're on frank display right now. Yeah, uh, the, the debate situation, uh, it would seem like Trump would be would want to do anything he can, including a virtual debate to get in front of people. That's right. The candidate that is behind is typically the one that needs the debates more. Um, the first debate, though, did not go very well for the president. Uh, he lost in all of the polls, um, subsequent polls about who won, and he also lost a couple points, as best we can tell, uh, between the debates and his COVID uh, diagnosis. So it doesn't seem to have gone well, but as the candidate that's behind, he needs it more. Uh, we also had a vice presidential debate this, this week, of course, um, that those don't traditionally move the numbers, but it was very highly rated. Uh, a lot of people tuned in because we have two very old presidential candidates, um, and I, I think a lot of people are concerned about the, the next one on the, the, the ticket. And the, the frank uh, <laughs> reaction to that was, wow, this is kind of what a normal debate looks like between a Democratic and Republican candidate espousing liberal and conservative positions uh, across the issue spectrum. And it's just one that we just haven't seen for a while because we've been used to, to such uh, craziness at the, in the presidential race. Uh, who won? Well, the uh, only real instant poll that they uh, had uh, showed that Kamala Harris uh, did uh, better, but not by uh, as, as big of a margin as people favored uh, Biden over uh, Trump. So I think it was more your, your traditional 
uh, people who are leaning toward Republicans liked what um, uh, Pence said, and people who are leaning toward Democrats uh, liked what Harris said. Um, in terms of the presidential race, it's unlikely to have much impact, but I think we should say it, it might have had an impact, and that is if Harris had come off as uh, someone who was uh, far to the left, uh, who scared off voters, that could have potentially had an effect, but she did not come off that way. Um, voters are not scared by Joe Biden the way that, that some were scared by Hillary Clinton, and uh, the Republicans have tried to kind of transfer that <laughs> to other people to say uh, Biden is a stalking horse for uh, some other uh, coalition. And Kamala Harris was supposed to be a part of that messaging, and it just hasn't worked. Uh, but voters like Kamala Harris, and they're not scared by her. All right. Well, uh, I think uh, we've got about three more of these before the election. I look forward to uh, talking to you again next week. Who knows what events will come today or tomorrow in this exactly. race. Exactly. Thank you, Matt Grossman. Good to see you. You're listening to City Pulse on 89FM The Impact. I'm Burl Schwartz. President Donald Trump told the white supremacist group The Proud Boys to, quote, stand back and stand by during his first debate with Joe Biden. He also urged his supporters to act as poll watchers. All of this has people wondering, what will polling places look like on November 3rd? Delta Township Clerk Mary Clark and Lansing City Clerk Chris Swope are here to explain the guidelines for ensuring a safe and fair election day. Here's Colt Huntingly with that report. The 2020 presidential election is almost upon us. News of President Donald Trump, along with many members of his inner circle, getting COVID has dominated the news cycle for the past week. But it's important to remember that, only a little while ago, Trump called for his supporters to go out and watch polling stations on November 3rd to make sure the election isn't stolen from him. He also riled up the white supremacist group, the Proud Boys, when he told them to stand by on stage at the first debate between him and Joe Biden. These comments have people wondering, what will election day look like? Delta Township Clerk Mary Clark is here to explain the legality of poll watching. There are two categories of people who can view aspects of the election on election day or in the absent voter counting board but we'll talk about election day first. Okay. One, one is called a poll watcher, mm-hmm. and every precinct will have a designated public viewing area, and a poll watcher must stay in that viewing area. So they get a broad perspective of what's happening in the polls, but they are not allowed to talk to staff or voters. And they can stay, they can come and go however they want, but they are, they are confined to the designated public area. That's the first type of person you can expect to see when you go vote this November. Poll watchers do not need to wear any type of identification, nor do they need to meet any special qualifications. No, we have signage that says public area and then... Um, if there's questions, the chair or election staff would explain that that is a public area that people can watch. The other group of people who could be there watching on election day are called challengers. They have more restrictions than poll watchers. Here's Clark explaining the rules behind being a challenger. Um, a challenger must, it cannot be a candidate or a candidate staff. A challenger is typically 
um, trained and sanctioned, so to speak, by one of the major parties, so Democratic Party or Republican Party. Yes. They do wear identifying um, IDs. They also might be from a special interest group. It could be from League of Women Voters. It could be from NAACP. It could be from um, Nature Conservancy. Gotcha. Um, and their role, again, they are not allowed to talk to voters. Their role is typically to have the ability to challenge a voter getting a ballot or to watch for a voter not getting a ballot. So mm -hmm. a lot of the voter rights groups, their goal is not to prevent voting. Their goal is to ensure that appropriately registered persons have an opportunity to get a ballot and can vote. Okay. So, for example, no one's turned away because they don't have a picture ID. Because in the state of Michigan, you do not have to have a picture ID. You simply have to sign an affidavit that basically says, I am who I say I am. Challengers are sometimes employed by political parties as a way of spreading the message, get out and vote. And they use it for that. So they are trying to capture the name of every voter that comes through to watch for people who at the door or on a phone conversation committed to vote for candidate A, and they want to make sure they get to the polls. The rules for poll watchers are hyper-specific. There are guidelines for exactly how far away poll watchers must stand from a polling location and rules dictating how poll watchers can interact with voters. Volunteers at each polling station keep an eye on what's happening outside in the parking lot to make sure nothing illegal is going on. Outside, you must be 100 feet away from the building entrance that houses a precinct. And they, um, and the chairs, the chairpersons for the precincts all mark those. And um, and we do monitor that. If we see people coming in with candidate literature in their hand, that typically means someone's in the parking lot handing out, trying to get someone to vote in a particular way. So mm -hmm. we monitor to make sure that they are outside of the 100 feet. And then um, an exit poller can be 20 feet from the door and they can talk to voters within that 20-foot area. But it's really pretty simple to tell the difference. At the polls, people are leaving the building. So we do monitor that, and on a big election, we will check it frequently. We had problems in August, so we, we dealt with them. And um, you always have people who want to push the envelope. The problems in the August primary earlier this year that Delta Township faced are about what you'd expect. Supporters of a Republican House candidate were standing outside, talking to voters as they walked into their polling location, trying to convince them to vote Republican. Clark said that dealing with these issues in August helped her prepare for the same problems to crop up this November. The one key difference between August and November will be the Proud Boys. When Trump told them to stand by, they took it as a direct order.
I think he opened a door that he didn't have to open, um, but he chose to. So we will be extra vigilant, yes. Okay. And we will be patrolling the parking areas um, just in a continual drive-through. I have troubleshooters that um, whose role is to solve issues, equipment issues in the precincts. But so they are out and about all the time anyway, and we'll just talk about keeping their eyes peeled for any potential issues. And I usually get a phone call if there is a violation or a perceived violation from my chairperson and or from the voters. We'll see what we'll see what we'll see what happens. As I said, I I am operating under the premise that we have adults in America who will act like adults. As you know, Chris Swope is president of the Michigan Association of Municipal Clerks. I am first vice president. We will be having a conversation so we can help our clerks be prepared. So we will be asking for clarity from the BOE for them to send out clarity to clerks in Michigan. Lansing City Clerk Chris Swope didn't take Trump's comments lightly. The Proud Boys are an unpredictable and frequently heavily armed group. He has concerns that the Proud Boys will take the president's words to heart and engage in voter intimidation to make sure he clinches the election. Like Clark, Swope hopes that everyone acts like a self-respecting adult on election day and that there's no trouble. Well, it, it, it is a little nerve-wracking. It seemed like a signal to people, um, to his supporters, um, that you know, they should be ready to jump in. And, you know, I don't think there's a role for that in our elections. You know, there we have Republicans and Democrats running the election. Uh, my, you know, election workers are um, made up of both political parties. Uh, so that's the way people are involved. Uh, and by voting or by being a challenger, uh, we, we definitely do not need anyone who perceives themselves uh, to be a militia, uh, to have any involvement in in any aspect of this election, and uh, I would hope they would uh, stay away and ignore any hints or requests. Unlike Clark, Swope didn't face problems during voting day in the August primary. Clark brought in police to patrol the polling station and make sure nothing bad went down, but Swope had reservations about bringing in the police. He chose to rely on volunteers to report any misconduct at polling stations back in August, and will do the same this November. Uh, no, we we did not perceive a need to do that. Um, you know, we do have uh, direct lines of communication with our election workers, so they can inform us of any types of concerns that come up. Um, you know, and we we do have uh, communication with our police department. Uh, so that we can get folks there. You know, I, I don't know that actually being at the polling places, um, uh, since that actually feeds into, um, you know, some other voter intimidate, intimidation tactics that have been discussed or have been warned or threatened about uh, in the past. So, you know, it's not, um, it's not a direction that I'm looking to take. Uh, you know, I'm looking to 
have uh, make sure that we have resources available if they're needed and uh, not have a, that visibility if, if they're not needed. Since, you know, there are, there are always uh, people that try and spread rumors that try and scare people away from the polling places. So, you know, we're trying to make it a, a safe environment for everyone. It's still unclear how exactly the Proud Boys will conduct themselves on Election Day. If people's worst fears do come true, if the Proud Boys really do show up with guns and try to sway the election, then it will be the first time Swope has ever seen that level of voter intimidation. I, I cannot think of any of that occurring. I know uh, we've had challengers get a- angry. We've had to remove challengers. And usually if they're getting angry at the challengers from the other political party, I cannot think of anything. And and it, and it comes up from time to time, and people ask, and people ask what the what are the rights to carry weapons in a polling place, and you know, with our open carry laws in Michigan, and you know, it's something that gets asked about, but never uh, or hasn't come up early on election day, to my memory. While the Proud Boys can legally hang around voting stations if they stay 100 feet away, they are not allowed to intimidate voters. If a voter feels intimidated, for example, by a group of Proud Boys wielding semi-automatic weapons, then monitors at the voting station will take action. Uh, You know, I guess at a point when a voter tells me that they feel intimidated by it, which probably isn't uh, uh, a very high uh, threshold, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I would certainly be intimidated by by someone with a certain outfit and um, weaponry uh, at a polling place. So, um, you know, I I I am very sensitive to that and definitely would be reacting to uh, what a voter tells me is intimidating and uh, and and try and try and get that reacted to. Um, it, it's one of those things that. It's hard to say what people will react to, and to to be 100% honest, that is one of the reasons that I am encouraging people to vote uh, at home or vote early. Uh, You know, if you can do one of those things, then you don't have to worry about who's at the polling place on Election Day. Your ballot can be already safely stored in my office and ready to be counted. For City Pulse, I'm Cole Tunningly. Thanks, Cole. This is 89FM, The Impact on City Pulse. I'm Burl Schwartz. And thanks also to Skylar Ashley for producing today's show, and thanks to Rich Topeka, who's going to take us out with a walk down Michigan's musical memory lane as he does every week. For City Pulse, I'm Burl Schwartz.